said last week is that if you want to get stronger, you have to eat. We have to hunger for God in order to get strong enough to fight when we need to fight the enemy. That's what we talked about last week. But this week, we're going to jump into Romans chapter 5. And what I want to lead in with this week is that the only way to get stronger is through resistance. If you've ever decided to strengthen your body, you know that the only way to get stronger is to have some resistance. Maybe you're pushing against weight. Maybe you're lifting weights. Maybe you're running. Whatever it is, there has to be some resistance and there has to be a little bit of pain if you want to get stronger. If we're going to have a fight-ready faith, we have to let suffering do its work in us. We're going to jump into Romans chapter 5 today. We'll have it on the screen, but if you'd like to open your Bibles. Uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to read the words of Paul. Paul says, Since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. So we have peace with God through Jesus Christ. We've gained access by faith into grace, and we now stand in God's grace. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. This is one of those passages that we read and we're like, yeah, I'd rather not, but thanks. I like the other stuff. I like the provision stuff. I like the laying down in green pasture stuff. But here Paul is saying we glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character and character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. We're going to walk through this passage today because I believe as I look back over the the trajectory of my life, as I look back over the journey of my faith, in, in times that I went through suffering, In times that I asked God to relieve me of a situation or sometimes a person, um, I look back at those situations and in hindsight, I'm able to see how much better I know God now because I went through seasons of suffering. I'm able to see how much more sensitive to God's voice I have become because of those seasons of suffering. So that's what we're going to talk about today. And the first thing that Paul says about suffering in this passage is that suffering produces perseverance. Suffering produces perseverance. In another uh, translation of the Bible, they say that suffering produces endurance. And in Eugene Peterson's uh, message translation, he calls it passionate patience. He said suffering produces passionate Patience in us. I'm not usually passionately patient. I'm usually begrudgingly patient. If you doubt me, ride in the car with me sometime, driving in Paris traffic. Endurance is not something that we start out with. We don't start out with perseverance. We don't start out with endurance. It's something that has to be built little by little. If you've ever started an exercise program, you know that endurance is the first obstacle that you have to get over. You know, I, I've, been, I've been lifting weights. I know you can't tell. I don't want to hear about it. 
But I finally have decided I have to, I'm 35, you know, I need to incorporate some cardio so I don't have a heart attack by the time I'm 40. So I got on the, on the uh, stair mill last week. I, I put up an Instagram story calling it the hell machine, and someone told me I shouldn't call it that. But I feel like that's what hell will be, is just the stair mill for all eternity. You know, you just climb the stairs and never get anywhere. And I, I saw some other people on it, and they were really fit. And I was like, the stair mill is my key to fitness. So, and they, were, they would stay on for like 20 minutes. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this for 20 minutes, stair mill. Man, after 30 seconds, I was done. I was like, oh, I think I forgot I have a meeting. I, I got to go, you know. Um, and, and I look at that, and I'm like, how? There's no way I could ever stay on this machine for 20 minutes. It's never going to happen. But guess what? You don't get up the first time and hit the goal that you're working toward. You have to start with 30 seconds, and then one minute, and then two minutes. It's the same thing with running. It's the same thing with anything that you're pushing your body toward. Endurance is the ability to stick with it during the not fun part. Anything worth doing has a not fun part. A lot of times when we're starting something new, it's exciting. Some of you are getting ready to start a new year of university, new classes. We're excited on the first day of university. When you get married, you're so excited to walk into the season of marriage. Or you have a baby and you bring it home and you're so excited for this new season of life. You're so excited. You're so ready for the journey. And then the boring part hits. You get into the tedium of classes and suddenly... It's not really that exciting anymore. Or you start a new job and you find that it's not really that much more exciting than your last job. Or you, you get used to the person you married. The baby kind of becomes a little bit of a problem. You know, it's sort of getting on your nerves. So you hit the boring part. But after the boring part comes the really hard part. And that's the part when you have to decide whether or not you're going to push through. There are moments in our lives where our capacity to persevere has the chance to grow very quickly. And in those moments, we have to choose whether to engage and let our perseverance grow or to detest the process and turn around and quit. We talked in June um, about the story of Jacob being named Israel. And in in this story, we see this moment where Jacob encounters God. And it says he wrestled with God all night long. He wrestled with God all night long. And he grabbed a hold of him and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. You can't wrestle with God all night long if you don't have the perseverance to stay with it. And the only thing that produces perseverance in us is suffering. Jacob had been through some some really difficult situations. Some of them he brought on himself, and some of them were handed to him. But because Jacob learned endurance, he wrestled with God all night long and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. See, we can't hold on long enough to receive the blessing if we haven't learned to persevere. We have to learn to persevere. James writes in James chapter 1, he says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. 
This is one of those things where you're like, James, have you ever been through anything? Do you even know what it is to go through a trial? Consider it pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. He says, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding faults, and it will be given to you. In the middle of suffering, our tendency is to say, forget it. I'm good without perseverance. I'd rather live without perseverance. Um, Some friends of mine had a little boy, and he was very picky with his food. He wouldn't eat his vegetables. And they said, if you don't eat your vegetables, you'll never grow up to be big and strong. And he said, I'm fine with being small. You know, he's like, I'm not going to go through that so I can have something to pay off for it later. Sometimes that's what we think to ourselves when we go through suffering. But here's what I know for sure. Suffering does not last forever. Suffering does not last forever. It might feel like it's going to. And some of you here today are in a season of deep suffering and it feels like it's going to last forever. I can promise you, even if you can't imagine a way out, your season of suffering will not last forever. But when you walk out on the other side, it's possible to be stronger than you were before. God takes what the enemy meant to destroy us, and he uses it for his glory. When the enemy tries to deliver a knockout punch to us, God goes, okay, that place where you broke them, I'm going to make that place stronger. We have the option to come through suffering as stronger people. It will develop perseverance in us. James calls us to maturity in our faith, and he states again that trials lead to perseverance. Look, the only path to maturity is perseverance. That's the only way. The only way to become mature as Christians is perseverance. If I keep quitting, I will have to keep starting over. If I keep quitting, I will have to keep starting over. Some of us get caught in a cycle where we're like, oh man, I really want to grow close to God. And then we sin again, and then we feel shame, and then we come back to God, and then we repent, and then we sin, and then we feel shame, and then we come back to God, and then we repent, and then we sin again, and and we get caught in this cycle, and we never become mature in our faith because we don't let perseverance do its work in us. If we're going to gain traction in our walk with God, we have to become mature in our faith. And maturity in our faith is a result of the character that perseverance produces. Paul goes on in this, in this passage in Romans. He says, suffering produces perseverance, and perseverance produces character. The only way to find out what you're made of, the only way to find out what you're capable of, is to face an obstacle that makes you say, I can't. I can't do that. That's when you find out what you're made of. We can't hope to be the people that God created us to be until we learn to persevere and we let perseverance uh, produce character in our lives. I don't know if any of you have um, an irrational fear, but I have a deep irrational fear of open water. Okay? I, I found this little picture of this guy like jumping into this 
vast expanse of open water, and I, I, I can't even look at it. Like, it freaks me out so bad. I grew up in the U.S., totally landlocked, okay? There was no body of water for, like, days of driving. But for some reason, open, like, open water terrifies me. A few years ago, my family went to Florida. This was, like when I was younger, and my parents were like, let's go on a dolphin cruise, and you get on this boat, and these dolphins are coming, and I'm like gripping onto the boat, and in every picture, I'm like, huh, I'm having a great time, thanks guys. It was terrifying for me, because I can't see what's underneath the boat, you know, and all these people who think they know something, they're like, oh, the dangerous sea animals, they don't come over there, and I'm like, no one's keeping them in a cage, you can't tell them where to go, you don't know their lives, you know, I'm terrified of open water, because there's something about it where it's beyond what I can see, and it's beyond what I can control, and if I'm honest with you, sometimes this is a little bit like my relationship with God, sometimes I would just rather stay on the surface of my relationship with God, I would rather stay in the shallow end Because there I can see my feet, I know exactly what to expect, and I'm in complete control. But God, God keeps pulling us deeper into his presence. God wants us to go to new depths in our relationship with him. In Psalm 42, the psalmist writes that deep calls out to deep. And that means that the deep things of God call something in me. They call the deep places of me. God wants me to go deeper into his presence. He wants me to go deeper into relationship with him. But it feels a little bit like, uh, like that, that water picture. It feels a little bit like that where there's this idea that I'm losing control. But God wants, us, God wants to develop us and take us deeper into relationship with him. But this can't happen unless we allow him to develop our character through perseverance. See, character comes at a cost. Character is born in the moments that we have to decide to keep going, even when we want to quit. Everybody wants to quit sometimes. If you decide to keep going, you will have character to show for it. You will have moments that you want to quit in your faith, in your relationships, in your studies. Anything that's worth anything will make you want to quit at some point. If you decide to keep going, if you decide to persevere, your character will go to a new level. One of my mentors said the following in a meeting that I was in one time. He said, only when I am faithful to a commitment for a long time does that commitment change me. Only when I'm faithful to a commitment for a long time does that commitment change me. See, sometimes in our faith, we want, we want to be strong immediately. We want to be all grown up immediately. But the process to get there can feel painful. When I stay faithful to the commitment that I've made to Jesus, it begins to change me in ways I didn't see coming. See, Jesus wants to change us as we engage in relationship with him. We call this sanctification. Sanctification. It means that the longer I walk with Jesus and the more I learn perseverance, Jesus makes me holy. I don't make myself holy. I can't make myself holy. Jesus makes me holy as I go to those deeper places with him, as I let suffering do its work in me. And what happens when sanctification happens, it means I actually change as a person. It becomes easier to overcome sin in my life. It becomes easier to love my neighbor. It becomes easier to know when God is speaking to me. 
This is what happens when perseverance develops character. In 1 Peter chapter 1, the Apostle Peter writes, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Peter said, look, the character that your suffering produces will not be wasted. God will not waste your sufferings, but it will come to make sense when Christ is revealed. The godly character born of perseverance, it brings us joy and it brings us strength. How can it be that our suffering would bring us joy? Because as Paul wraps up this passage, he says, character produces hope. Character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. That's what Paul says. He says, hope does not put us to shame. See, there would be those who would say that continuing to hope through your suffering, continuing to follow Jesus through your suffering, people would say that that is foolishness. You must be stupid if you're still hanging on to this Jesus thing with what you've been going through. And sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that hope is something that naive people have. Hope is something that uneducated people have because they they need to live in reality. But we've learned that cynicism is not a show of strength. The courage to continue to believe is a show of strength. See, it takes strength to be gentle in a violent world. It takes strength to be a person of positivity when you're surrounded by negativity. It takes strength to exhibit humility and patience in your workplace when everyone around you is is showing greed and vying for power and stepping on others to get to where they want to go. The way of Christ is not weakness. It is strength. It takes strength to continue to hope. Because hope acknowledges that my full reliance is on God to come through for me. Remember in in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul says, Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Paul doesn't say be strong in your mighty power. Paul says you have no power to offer. Be strong through the power of the Lord. And in 2 Corinthians, Paul shares with his audience that he too was going through a trial. And he said, God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul said, I will count my trials a joy because it reminds me that I have nothing to offer. It is only the power of Christ in me that makes a difference. That hope is born of strength. It's a courageous hope. And Paul says that kind of hope is produced by the character that suffering grew in us. Can you have hope without suffering? I think you can. 
I think you can have hope without suffering, but the value of it changes. I think when you've been through the valley, when you've been through the fire, the hope takes on a new value because at some point in the suffering, the hope is all you have to hang on to. And some of you are in that point now. God's power is made perfect in your weakness. There's a point you go where you go, God, I have nothing left. I have nothing left but a shred of hope in you. That kind of hope is born of courage. How can it be possible? How can it be possible that the end game, that the outcome of suffering would be hope? Paul says suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance produces character. And character produces hope. What kind of world are we living in that we think the outcome of suffering is hope? Look, only a people who know for sure that their team is going to win are going to keep getting back in the ring over and over again. We know how the story ends, and that's why we have reason to hope. It means that no matter what I go through, no matter what happens in my life, I have hope because of Jesus Christ. Hope in suffering was demonstrated to us by Jesus Jesus understood what it was to suffer. Sometimes we we want to convince ourselves that Jesus doesn't know. He doesn't know what we're going through. Jesus endured suffering on every level. He lost loved ones. He lost his best friend. His best friend was beheaded. His cousin was beheaded. He, he, He was rejected by people who were supposed to love him. He endured physical suffering. He endured attacks on his character. But he willingly took on our sufferings in addition to his own so that we could have a reason to hope. In the book of Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah makes this prophecy about Jesus. He says, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. Jesus willingly took on suffering so that we could have hope in the resurrection. Jesus willingly took on bodily and spiritual and mental anguish So that he could be raised back to life and conquer death so that we could have hope in the resurrection. So that our suffering wouldn't be wasted. See, the reason that Christ showed deep compassion for the marginalized and the abused and the oppressed is that he knew on a spirit level what it was to suffer. Jesus knew what it was to suffer. And Jesus is with us in our pain. The same way that Jesus persevered, that's how we persevere. He saw beyond what other people could see. Jesus knew how the story ends. Jesus knew that no matter what the enemy threw at him, he would be raised again to victory. The joy of serving Jesus is that my story and my pain is not wasted. He doesn't waste a bit of it. Jesus says to us that he is not only with us, he understands. And instead of letting our trials win, Jesus promises to make us conquerors. He promises to make us overcomers. There's a power beyond the pain and there's resurrection after death. And I want you to know today that your feelings matter in a season of suffering. When you're going through pain, when you're going through trials, it's not that you're not supposed to feel it. It's not that it's not supposed to weigh on you. But we have to live with a recognition that our suffering is not the end of the story. No matter what. 
There's a reason that Christianity does really well in cultures that are historically oppressed. They know that their oppression is not the end of the story and that they will be raised again to victory. This is the promise that we have in Christ. Would you stand with me this morning as we prepare to close? We're going to sing one more song together in just a moment. One of my favorite phrases in the Bible is we wait in hope. We wait in hope. And and the, the psalmist uses this in Psalm chapter 33, verses 20 through 22. He says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love be with us, Lord, even as we put our hope in you. He says, he says, God, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep hoping. I'm going to keep trusting. Let your unfailing love rest with me as I put my hope in you. See, there is in the Christian life a choosing to believe that things will turn out as we have been promised that they will. Our suffering is not about survival. It is about victory. I have to choose I have to choose to believe whether God is who he says he is. Because if God is who he says he is, it means that I am not forgotten. It means that he has suffered too. And it means that victory is coming. One thing I I like to do, and one thing I'm going to ask you to do in just a moment, is um, when someone comes to me, whether they're in the church or outside the church and they tell me that they're in a dark place and they say, man, I I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm just in such a dark place. What I always challenge them to do is I always say, tell me something that's true. Tell me a few things that are true. And sometimes they'll start and they'll say, well, it's true that I'm a failure. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You tell me stuff that's true from God's word. Because sometimes when we're in a place of suffering, it becomes really easy to believe the lies of the enemy. The lies of the enemy about our own lives. The lies of the enemy about our situation. And sometimes we have to quiet our heart long enough to let God tell us things that are true. And so for me in my life, there's three things that I tell myself. Three true things. And yours might be different. But I want to speak them over you today. The first thing I know for sure, the first true thing, is that God is faithful. God is always faithful. The Bible says that when we are faithless, God remains faithful. That's good news. That means God's interactions with me, God's provision for me, God's love for me, it doesn't depend on how strong my faith is. Sometimes God has faith on my behalf. Because even when I'm faithless, he's still faithful. My situation doesn't change the power of God. It doesn't change the fact that God is sovereign. He is always faithful. He's faithful to stay with us. The second true thing that I know is that you are not forgotten. God hasn't forgotten about you. You might have cried out a thousand times asking God to move your situation, asking God to intervene. And even if your situation hasn't changed, God has not forgotten about you. The Bible says that he sees every single tear that we cry. It says that he feels the pain. And I can't tell you why, because sometimes there's no good answer for why we suffer. But today I want you to remember, you are not forgotten. God knows your name. He knows your situation. And the third thing I know for sure is that we wait in hope. We wait in hope. We believe, we have a courageous belief 
that God is going to set all things right. We have a courageous belief in the resurrection. We have a courageous belief that everything that we've walked through, that all the perseverance God has developed in us, that it will come to fruition at the resurrection when God sets everything right. We wait in hope. It's a courageous hope. It's a passionate patience. Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of the Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from the Bridge. If you'd like more information about the Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit us at thebridgeparis.com.